Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Evening Standard of the D1T in 5 for Friday, March 4th. I'm Anthony Grassi. On threes, Eric Prisbell camps with the lead ones Tom McMillan for a two-part interview to discuss the future of college athletics. On the outcome of the constitutional transformation, McMillan says, I do believe this constitutional transformation going forward, D1 has got to be bifurcated or it is too big. There's too many disparate parts in it. So I kind of agree with Caltech AD Betsy Miller on that point. The question is, how big is it at the end of the day? Are you going to just take 30 or 40 that are the highest revenue schools and let them go off and play in their own sandbox? I don't necessarily think that is the case because they all have to play someone. The more you stratify for commercial purposes, the more you're at risk for being treated exactly like a business. You are a business, so you're going to be taxed. You're not going to have a charitable status anymore. You're not going to get student fees. McMillan points to the constant change of the industry as the biggest short-term issue, with the potential change to student-athletes employment status as the larger issue. On which, McMillan says, let's put it this way, it is inevitable that as Notre Dame AD Jack Swarbrick said, a court, a regulatory body, someone is going to categorize college athletes as employees. I think that is inevitable. That doesn't mean that the college athlete of tomorrow in general will be as well off as they are today. In some cases, many will be worse off. All the Olympic sports, if you're not a star, you may have a worse deal even under collective bargaining. It is not guaranteed that the world is going to be rosier for everybody. The model we have right now is a model that many win and the money really circulates to many. Where we are heading is a model where a few win. The money gets bigger, but there will be fewer winners in the model because I think basketball and football players are going to make a lot of money. The baseball players might not. The employment model, if I had to predict, is racing down the road. I think only Congress can stop that in a way. I'm not sure college sports internally can do it. I think it's going to take a body like Congress to stop that. Front Office Sports' Amanda Kristovich pens on the changes to this year's NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament, which includes a recalibrated budget, March Madness branding, a first four, added contractors, vendors, and full-time staff, more tournament sponsorships, and swag bags and lounges that are identical to the men's tournament. On potential caveats to those changes, Kristovich writes, On-court branding may not be as prominent during the women's on-campus early rounds, which aren't hosted at predetermined sites like men's games. The turnaround time is too short, and in the normal, non-bubble format, food is up to school and team discretion, though the NCAA funds meals, Lynn Holzman said. Funding is equal for men's and women's teams. Holzman also said the NCAA does not usually provide weight rooms during non-bubble championships. The NCAA Football Rules Committee approved a number of rule changes set to be approved by the Playing Rules Oversight Panel next month, and if approved, take effect this upcoming season. Of note, targeting fouls that occur in the second half that have a carryover to the next game can be appealed. Defensive holding remains a 10-yard penalty and includes an automatic first down. Ball carriers would be down when simulating a feet-first slide, thanks to former Pitt quarterback Kenny Pickett. And a process for investigating questionable injury timeouts would be implemented with penalties left up to conferences and schools. More on the alliance from a number of leaders, with Big Ten boss Kevin Warren saying on college football playoff expansion, we have to take a holistic view 
especially if we planned on signing the long-term deal. Now, if we're getting to the point where it's one year remaining, then that's different. But when you have four years remaining on an agreement and we're talking about doing it early, it has to make sense not only for the Big Ten, it has to make sense for everyone. I just think that's rational, good business. There can't be, well, we'll answer that after we agree that we're going to expand currently, we will answer that down the road. And so I know from where I sit, where the Big Ten sits, I said it very clearly. We are 100% supportive of expansion. We think it's the right thing to do. But it has to be at the right time in the right format for the right reasons. Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov on football scheduling. You can't do it last minute because there aren't games of an equal quality to fill. That's more of a longer-term decision for us unless we're in a position where we can match that decision with others and guarantee that we have 12 games to play if we go from 9 to 8. Texas Tech AD Kirby Hocutt chimes in on the leaders working together. You could talk about all the different other opportunities that they said they were going to collaborate on. DEI, social justice, health and safety. But those are things that, heck, we all better be in collaboration on and be prepared to work together on because if we don't do it any better than we've done in the past, it's going to continue to lead down a path none of us are going to be proud of. Thank you for tuning in to the Evening Standard of the D1T in 5 for Friday, March 4th. I'm Anthony Grassi. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you bright and early Monday morning.